When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You guys all Sooners fans? I don't have any Oklahoma State people in here, do I? No. No, we don't like Oklahoma State, do we? Do we like the color orange? Good job, guys. All right, here we go. With the first pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Wow. It is Baker Mayfield. Love you guys. Appreciate your support. Uh, I'm sorry you now have to wear orange, but we're all going to go through it together because we're a part of the dog pound now. News team, assemble! It's time for the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Featuring site publishers, Carrie Murdoch and Josh McQuistian, along with videographer, Eddie Radosevich. The unofficial 40 on Soonerscoop.com. All right, welcome back. It is another edition of the unofficial 40 with the entire gang is here once again. Uh, Josh McQuistion joins us, who is uh, just coming off of uh, a spring practice visit uh, near his uh, home of Houston, Texas. Went to see Corey Robertson, uh, OU commit, and Eddie Radosevich joins us. He seems as surly as ever. <laughs> Uh, Bob Prisbillo is back once again. Boys, congratulations on the last podcast. Uh, highest downloaded podcast in the history of Sooner Scoop Podcasts. I'm taking all credit. Thank you. Did it end up at 1.1 or 1.2 million downloads? How many did we actually end up with? Uh, we're all retiring. We're, we're getting rid of the website, and we're just doing podcasts from now on. Oh, I know there'll be some members that are excited about that because we give everything away on the pod anyway, so let's roll. By the way, uh, sponsorships are available for uh, a podcast that is list- that is downloaded uniquely about 25,000 times an episode. So, Booyah. See Murdoch at Soonerscoop.com or Carrie Murdoch at Yahoo.com or... Or just get in contact with me. We'll work something out. No, don't do that. <laughs> your, pod- your-, your live read will not be read. Can we uh, talk about life as with Eddie as our business manager running all the day-to-day operations of the site? It would be out of the back of a strip club. <laughs> we out of the grow, back of sugars. We would grow exponentially, though. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> Thank you for messing up another big word today, Eddie. Exponentially? <laughs> there we go. Initially. People enjoy it when Eddie mispronounces the big words. I didn't mispronounce that one, so. Okay, we'll take your word for it. <laughs> We'll do an NBA-style last-two-minute report for the next podcast. Well, those don't f***ing matter anyway, oh so... God! Right <laughs> out the gate? It just feels good to be a Cavs fan. We're never going to get a sponsor for this show now. Yeah, I'm sure sponsors run away from cursing. It's 2018. Yeah. I don't know if everybody can hear it, but I think Eddie is revving to go. I'm 
currently reading a book right now about well, about Seabiscuit, and Eddie is like he's in the starters' gate. He's ready to roll. He uh, really is. The gate to open. He seems irritated for no reason. Kentucky at all. Kentucky Derby coming up this weekend. You worried about you know, the tornadoes, Eddie? That. Is that what's going on? No. My boy Jack uh, has some Oklahoma hot ties. Yes, he does. And he's, he's is he the favorite? No, I don't. I don't think he's the favorite. He's the betting favorite. I think. I mean, no, like, I don't think like, so. He's thirty to one. Well, I mean the betting, but he's like the betors favorite. Seems like he's getting a lot of play for people say you should you should bet this horse. I think the value for your money kind of thing. Yeah, the favorite is Justify at three to one. People think he's the next real big thing in horse racing. <laughs> <laughs> he's the next big thing. Is Timothy Oliphant going to ride him? That would be killer. I don't know who's on. I don't get that joke. Justif- justified. Oh, okay. Yeah, that I never is. watched that series. Oh, you missed it. That's a that's a great series. I'm sure you can still watch it. You can watch sure. anything still. Uh, I'm spe- currently catching up on Brockmire, and if you all are not watching that, that is fantastic television. I've never got in it. Glad you have all this time for binge watching, Josh. Mike Mikey Smith is so the jockey. True. He's been trained by Bob Baffert, so uh, good lineage. Why'd you start calling recruits then, Josh? You got all this time. <laughs> You've got all this time to watch while you're typing stories. That is so Bob Prisbilla with the redneck voice. That was not Carrie Murdoch. Uh, Bob and Josh were down at the opening regional this weekend in uh, Dallas, Texas. How was it, boys? Different. Different because of the way they split it up. It kind of lost its flow at, at times because you went offensive line, defensive line was there from 10 to noon. Then they went running backs, linebackers. Then finally you got to quarterbacks, tight ends, receivers, and the defensive backs. But you figured the OU commits like Theo Weiss, Trajan Bridges, EJ, and Noma Ogar would fare well. And it's exactly what they did. Theo, EJ, punched their tickets to the opening uh, 17 invites alone on site. So we'll see if Trajan is able to... I think maybe the opening's cheaping, cheaping out. Well, you, like, well, they're inviting be in 600 Dallas. kids, yeah. Well, here, here's why. No New Orleans regional. So Mississippi, Louisiana kids came to Dallas. Oh, did they? Okay. Yes, there were a there lot, were of, good a Mississippi kids lot there, of kids yeah. in that area that would have earned invites at a New Orleans regional but since that was scrapped this year. They all came to Euless Trinity, which... Definitely made a, the level of competition a lot more, but you know we're looking at OU guys. Yeah, those guys don't really fall in that category. Any bagmen in the parking lot? None. There was definitely a fair amount of handler action going on in the parking lot. There, there were several of those guys lingering, but uh, you know, and plenty, plenty of people were more than willing to make friends with those guys. Me and Bob. We have our line in the sand. We'll go no farther. Uh, let me ask you this: like, okay, so the the seven on seven stuff we've we've talked a lot about that getting out of control. Here's my question: like, how how tolerable are OU's coaches of all that stuff? I think fairly so, just because they don't have any other choice. I mean, like, that, that that they're gonna have to deal with those guys sometimes because. Like, you look at Leon O'Neill as a good example last year. If they wanted to be truly involved with Leon O'Neill, they were going to have to be connected to a seven-on-seven guy. They, they just That was kind of the go-between uh, for Leon. Now, why these kids think they need a go-between, I'll never understand. Yeah, at, at least like Leon with O'Neal. very few exceptions. 
but that that's the way that goes. And like I said, OU has, and you know, to be honest, I, I think OU kind of saw it in the way I'm just presenting with Bob and I was like, nope, nope, we're not going to do that. And now they're just facing reality. I, I am I am fighting the dying of the light, but they are not. They just they're like, you know what? We want the best players. Sometimes we have to deal with people that maybe we wouldn't want to deal with otherwise. But they're going to go down that road. Exactly. It's it's the nature of the beast now. You you can't stop it. If all the top schools are going to be doing it, and it's working, that's the big thing. It's not that they're going about this method. It's that it's producing the results that they want it to. You can't get left behind. You, you have a lot of principles. You have your scruples. But if you have a top 15 class instead of a top five, that's going to that's gonna show up. Uh, take a shower just thinking about it. <laughs> well, can we can we talk about Bob almost sounded like he was mocking having morals and scruples? He was like, you just have the your use morals. Of scruples. Like you could hear the air quotes. The I think the use of the word scruples is why we were pushing past 25,000 individual downloads on this podcast. Uh, Josh, you got a chance to talk to uh, EJ. Say it. Indoma Ogar. You say it so well. It's it's beautiful. It rolls. Uh, Indoma Ogar. Did I say that right? Yeah, yeah, chance to talk yes. to him. Uh, the recent commit. I mean, obviously, it's just been a big week for you with this, the commitment. What's that been like? What's life been like since you made your decision, man? Oh, it's been great. Um, I feel like it's a huge weight off my shoulders. Um, I was, uh, um, I'm still gonna take my officials, mm-hmm. but um, see what's out there. But you know, but, you know, OU, OU, OU is that place for me right now. Okay. Now, speaking of that, do you know any of the five that you'll take? Um, not yet. I know I'm gonna take OU, mm-hmm. OU um, during the season, during their season probably. Okay. But we'll have to see. Not okay. yet. Now, he, guys, he seems like he's been, you know, he's one of the more approachable guys that's out there uh, and pretty forthcoming with uh, what he has to say. I know that was kind of, at the end of your commitment article, Josh, it was kind of, I don't want to say you slid it in there about the, you know, taking the commitments, but, you know, it's always a situation where everybody's like, oh, you committed, blah, blah, and then they're like, what are, you, what are you talking about, five visits? Like, you're committed. But it... it and later on in the interview, people have seen it on SoonerScoop.com already on the message boards. Uh, basically, he seems kind of clueless, right, about who those five visits are going to be with. He did. And to me, that always is a good sign. You know, if a kid can sit there and be like, I'm going to do this, this, and this, then it almost feels like the commitment was part of a plan. You know, like, well, I wanted to do that, and so I'm going to do that. And, you know, it, it feels like that it wasn't really – oh, I just, I love Oklahoma, that's all I want to do. It was, this was the time I was going to commit, and then I was going to always take five to whatever arrangement of schools were still involved with me. So I thought that's a good sign. And like I said, I think this is a kid that wants to enjoy the process. He's talking about recruiting other guys to Oklahoma. Obviously, he's got a teammate in Theo Weiss that really kind of crazily for the number three guy in the country doesn't show any sign of interest in other programs. He seems very locked in. That's And you'd expect it to kind of be the other way around, but I think Oklahoma's in perfectly good shape with EJ. I don't think there's any reason to be overly concerned. To me, Bob, it's, it seems like when Oklahoma, one thing that they're doing a really good job of is when kids make these decisions, they really go out of their way to get the families involved too. Like, it's it's... It almost feels like now when I see these kids committing, like it's a family decision as much as it is a kid's decision. Yeah, because they want them, you know, to not just be committing because of football. If you can expand the relationship to the family atmosphere of being around the coaches, 
and then being around the other families of other commits, then everyone's holding each other accountable. And it's not just, oh, it's because I really want to play football. I want to play for the Sooners. It goes well beyond that. And when you add that, then people it makes it tougher to decommit because you start building those relationships and it goes beyond just you know the gridiron and that's why OU's done so well when you build these classes so early the bonds that are forming through months and months and years and years instead of just weeks and weeks at the last second trying to put yeah. it all together Josh you talked about Theo Weiss and and his uh kind of love affair with Oklahoma you had a chance to catch up with him and hear some of that interview Talking to Trajan, man. I mean, I know you and I talked about it as well. I know everybody got excited about the red-white game, but I feel like there's still some stuff out there that uh, you guys kind of sitting on. Yeah, we still got some heat cooking up for sure. <laughs> okay, yeah. all right. Well, now, uh, you know, kind of looking back on the biz, obviously you knew going in you were going to commit. You know, that all that all was kind of planned out. But looking back on that weekend, I mean, what was it that seemed like that made that so special? It seemed, oh, I mean, I know you guys started momentum early, but what – what seemed like, I guess it kind of happened amongst the players? Probably, like, with the recruits, we didn't, some of us didn't really know each other, but, like, just the event, just the atmosphere brought us all closer together, and I made some more friends and some more recruits that's coming for sure. <laughs> and you guys talked a little bit about Chris Steele and kind of his relationship with him, too. He was a guy, you know, coming out of California, one of the other five stars that was there uh, for that spring game, and I think you, you've talked about a lot. You guys are talking about it. Oklahoma has reason to feel really good about where they are with Chris Steele. Um, but just just overall, what else did you kind of get from talking to Theo uh, at the opening regional? I think just, uh, again, you know, and it wasn't just talking to him. It's being around him because there's been some rumors. Not, you know, Bob and I really haven't talked about him, but talking to some people I know, there has been stuff that's kind of gone around that maybe Trajan Bridges had a problem with Theo Weiss and R.J. Henderson, not like a problem as he doesn't like them, but maybe a problem with where am I going to fit into this. And and just being around those two, I couldn't get less of that impression. I mean, I, I those two are probably going to end up being roommates in Norman. I mean, they're very locked in. Those guys are very close. They're good friends. Austin Stogner, you know, as Bob mentioned, came out just to hang out, you know, be around the guys a little bit. He's already earned his opening invite uh, from the Houston Nike camp. So, I think just seeing, you know, because and Bob just alluded to it, seeing the way this 2019 class is coming together, it lessens and lessens the conversation for decommitments and, and, and maybe everything falling apart. You know, I know with Theo and RJ already having committed and decommitted once before, I understand that people are going to have a little trepidation. But just looking at it, I, I don't see it. I mean, don't get me wrong. Probably one of the current commitments will at some point either decommit or start looking around however you want to say that, but I still don't think there's going to be any... I, I think the core of this class should hold together just fine. Well, Bob, you wrote about it. Uh, I mean, that's the gamble that Oklahoma has taken by making the spring game as big a you know part of things as they did, but at the same time, who can really sit and, and criticize a program when they're number one in the country and, and the rivals team rankings by... I haven't looked at the you know, in the last couple of days, but they were like 300 points ahead of, of, uh, who was in second? Um, I can't, but, uh, Florida State, no, I, I can't remember. Uh, but I mean, they were, they were head and shoulders above the rest of the country. Yeah. And you're already starting to see, you know, the pros and cons. You had Jerry and Jones 
Kamito, you coming off spring uh, game weekend, he's supposed to be at the opening. And we're supposed to actually get to see him last weekend. Instead, he's in Starkville the entire weekend. I mean, that's what you're going to have to be fighting. You know, whether or not you did these visits too soon, but whether or not it wouldn't have, it would have mattered anyway. I mean, if this kid's going to go to Mississippi State, it really wouldn't have mattered when you got him to campus. At least now you have him in the fold and you're in the driver's seat and you know, you've got that momentum. It's going to have to be something that Mississippi State can offer that OU can't at the moment. And right now it's hard to say that the Bulldogs would be the best option for Jones. But this is the dilemma. Whether or not you brought him in too early and that euphoria, that moment, goes goes away as time keeps going. And the bag man are definitely in Starkville. I was going to say, I think Bob just accused Mississippi State of potentially cheating. <laughs> That's fine. Everybody does. No, it's fine. It's just what I heard. Must be really working out for them. They're they're actually in the top twenty right now, team rankings. God, who took over for Mullen there? The OC from Penn State with uh, Moorhead. Oh, uh, okay. Yep. Yep. An unfortunate name. Uh, all right. One of the guys there that you talked to. I'd rather have the last name Moorhead than be the head coach at Mississippi State. What about Goodhead. I bet he gets well, no I don't. Head. I mean, I don't think that's a name you want at all. I think Goodhead's way worse than Moorhead. Moorhead's that that could be a request. Goodhead is a. I just said it was an unfortunate <laughs> name. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's you don't want head in your last name. Yeah, no. fair. I mean, Goodhead's like advertising. That's not good for anybody. Uh, there goes the Goodhead Mortgage Company that was uh, <laughs> trying to sponsor a podcast. Uh, one guy that you got to talk to that has been very elusive to OU fans is, uh, and I think it causes a little bit of a panic anytime his name is mentioned because his brother is named Justice and he's one of the best running backs in the country. But you finally got to catch up with Dax Hill at the opening and I uh, thought that was uh, an interesting conversation. Now, I almost got the impression from some people that they were a little surprised um, that Oklahoma made the list. And I didn't get that. I didn't have that feeling at all. But just, you know, it's a, it's a place maybe that you haven't been down there for some of the junior days, some of the other events. Has that just been a deal where the kind of conflicting schedules as far as going to Michigan, that some of those visits? We talking about Oklahoma, the why I haven't visited Oklahoma? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, really, I was supposed to go down to their spring game, mm-hmm. but I had an ACT. I was planning on going, so. Yeah. Things just just happened, so I really didn't have a chance to go up to OU, but whenever my schedule is free, I'll be up there. Though. How do you and your brother kind of balance that? I mean, obviously, I'm sure he wants you to Oklahoma State, but at the same time, he loves you, wants you to do what's right for you, you know, that kind of thing. Is that pretty much where you leave it, or do you guys talk about it quite a bit? I mean, once this process started started for me, we I mean, he was kind of, ago. He, he, <laughs> he was on me pretty hard, but now, I mean, everything's smooth right now, but he really just wanted me to go where I want to go and just where I can just succeed at. It doesn't matter if it's in-state or out-of-state. Okay. And Josh, you talked about his top six, and, you know, I thought Josh turned into kind of like, uh, I don't know, you were investigative uh, journalist. You were murder reporter guy, kind of. You were like, so, you yeah, have been down to OU. What's up with that, dude? <laughs> I mean, everybody thinks that there's no way you're going to Oklahoma. Tell me different. Prove me wrong. Well, you know, it's probably one of four interviews I'll do with Dax for his entire recruiting, you know, uh, I don't know what journey. What do you, I don't know what, what the hell you want to call that? Process. But, what we call yeah, it. there we go. Process is much better and much more fitting, and absolutely the word I was looking for. So that's <laughs> that's really helpful. Um, a couple things I should note before we get into that. One, 
during that interview, I had currently been up for about 15 hours at that point in time, and Bob and I had stood in the sun for about, oh, 10 hours at that point, Bob, somewhere in that range. Yep. Um, my Literally, my scalp is still burned. I have a sunburn because I've got a part line in my hair, and I have a red streak running right down the part of my hair. It's pretty impressive to uh, take the girls to school in the morning. But anyway, as far as Dax, yeah, I mean – I thought some of his answers were pretty interesting. I mean, he was clearly, like, you know, wanted to make it clear, I'm very interested in Oklahoma. I I just haven't been able to go down there. And he told me, and I I reported it to the board, that he would have been at the spring game if not for um, the ACT. So that was a, you know, that's a reasonable uh, excuse to, you know, to not be there. So with Dax, like I said, I've talked to a lot of people, and I can say whether it's Oklahoma State, whether it's Ohio State, whether it's Alabama, no one knows what Dax Hill is thinking. He has not tipped his hand to anyone. He has not come away from a visit, you know, kind of coming back to his people or in the Tulsa area saying, well, this is what I'm going to do. I think he's one of those kids that legitimately is a pretty open book. He's still waiting to see what happens. I'll say, and, you know, I I don't want to take this away from Bob because I know it's something he's hit on and he's dead right. Dax is a really laid-back kid. He's really reserved. I can see Kerry Cooks and him having a very good feel in that way. Because Cooks is the same kind of guy. He's not a high-pressure recruiter. He's not putting a lot, you know, the foot down on any of these guys. He can play it cool if that's what needs to be. And I think as time goes on, that'll be better. Because let's face it, as OSU gets closer and closer to signing day, the pressure is going to get more and more intense for them to land Dax Hill. Because, A, his brother is likely going to go through his last season of football this year. So there's going to be a expiration date on being able to sell you know, the idea of play where your brother played. And also, everyone expects him to go to Oklahoma State. So I think there is something that can help Oklahoma if they can just be patient with him and kind of ride this out. Yeah, it's weird as those reserve guys are always guys in the past that I remember thinking like, okay, what's this guy thinking, and how's he ever going to come to a decision of what he likes or doesn't like? And then all of a sudden, that kid like falls in love with a school that you don't understand why, you don't know really what sets him apart. Uh, it just so happens that something clicked with that kid in that school, and you never really have a reason why. I, I don't know with this staff if you really have to worry about that as much, though. It seems like they, they're pretty good at tapping into a kid's personality. Yeah, and when you look at Dax, all the rage was about LSU. And Except how that, for Josh Proctor, they got, you know. <laughs> how LSU is going to be the main comp, uh, main competition to try to get them, and then LSU doesn't even make the top six, and then you watch Dax all through Sunday. Well, have you heard Ed Orgeron talk? <laughs> well, he doesn't <laughs> want to talk about Jimbo Fisher. Apparently, so. I heard about that today, yeah. <laughs> so you watch Dax Sunday, and he's there with DJ Jones from Booker T, JV and Hester from Booker T, and he doesn't even hang around them. He's just his own dude. He That's makes, interesting. He makes a really good play in one-on-ones, no celebration, no look at me. He just goes about his business. It's like he almost doesn't – he looks like he doesn't even want to be there. That is, like, all right, this is what I got to do. And, you know, once it's over, I'm, I'm just going home. He's just all business all the time. I, You know, for both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, I do think that they're up against it a little bit when, it, when you have a kid like that. And, you know, they lose Josh Proctor to Ohio State last year, Oklahoma does. And then you look at the draft this year, and you think, okay, Stephen Parker didn't go in the draft. That kind of hurts OU a little bit. Trey Flowers did go in the draft. Actually, Trey Flowers went before. Who 
did he go before for Oklahoma State? Um, who was their last guy mean? drafted in the draft? Bef- like have your this year? Yes. Who did he come after, or who did he? He but, went before like, Marcel Aitman. That's right. Aitman, yeah, went, yeah, in Aitman went after him. So he went in the fifth. And Trey Flowers went in the fifth. Right. But that's still not great for you know if you're trying to say okay we put defensive players in the NFL. I mean Emmanuel Ogba was a second round pick last year for them defensive end. But man, I mean, what is it you look? What do you hang your hat on for defensive players in the NFL if you're in the Big Twelve? Right. I mean TCU's had some guys here and there, but. Big 12 doesn't send people from it's the defensive just, side of the ball. When you're recruiting against Michigan and Ohio State and uh, you know Alabama or whoever, I mean, especially LSU, you're kind of pulling a rabbit out of a hat to get big-time kids right now. And I know you did that with Buki. Yeah, that, that's what, and that's what they're selling the future on, too, I would think. Yeah. Is come, come be like Buki in a league that will send people to or give you an opportunity to be good yeah. on the defensive side of the ball. Help turn things around. And it probably helps that, you know, they've got young guys playing right now, whether it's Motley or, you know, he's going to be a junior, but you got Motley played as a start as a sophomore last year. You had Trey Norwood start as a freshman. Trey Brown got some playing time as a freshman. That probably helps you a little bit. Yeah. No, I, th- I think it does. I they're, they're really having to sell themselves, though, more than anything, I would think, rather than it be selling the what they've done but in I mean the past. two years ago we thought oh he's probably gonna have a first round draft pick at at corner and Jordan Thomas never happened he does hold a combine record though right I wonder if anyone's ever broken a combine record and not been drafted before like that I'm sure it's happened like on the bench press or something yeah maybe maybe on like the bench press or like definitely not the 40 maybe like the broad jump or something somebody that could just jump out of the yeah. Building, but couldn't play football. It happens. Who Jordan Thomas ended up getting uh, picked Eagles. up by? Eagles. Eagles. Well, the Eagles also. They like underdogs who underperform. They, they also gave Charles Walker an opportunity, didn't they? They did, yeah. So maybe, well, they just did win the Super Bowl, though. I was about to say they were idiots, but. I that I that That's the thing that that is interesting is that, you know, OU players seem to have value in the like. In the free agent market, like everybody, Devontae Lampkin got taken. I mean, pretty much everybody that could get taken was taken by somebody and, uh, immediately. Because remember when Charles Walker, like it took a couple of days. Yeah. Before well, he found initially, out he was it was with, with New the, Orleans, right? Yeah, with and the Saints, yeah. Yes. And he was there for like two days, and then he announced he would sign with the Eagles. Well, that same thing happened with Lampkin, because he announced the Titans and then switched it like 10 minutes later to the, That's right. to, to the Ravens. He probably hey. got a tryout offer, and then he got a practice squad offer or something like that. Hey, Lampkin, just, he's living the same dream he lived out of high school, man. He's going to flip a few times, you know, going to think about it, and maybe he couldn't pan it pass Spanish in, uh, at the NFL level either, so who knows? I don't think they have a big Spanish population in Nashville. Hey, I, don't, I, I couldn't speak to that. I live in Houston. I just assume everyone has a huge Spanish population, so... Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting with Dax Hill because I think he is that guy that you don't know what he's thinking or what he's going to do. And I, I don't know if you're Justice Hill. I imagine he plays the. I mean, he's a junior, right? Yes, he'll be yep. a junior. He's gone after this year. I mean, he's not going to play with Dax. 
because you've got to figure this year he's going to have a lot of miles on the tire because without Mason that he's going to be the focal point of that offense. Yeah, yeah, and he's not a particularly huge, you know, big guy. Mm-hmm. Although he's bigger yep. than you think he is now. He, he's he's stronger back than I gave him credit for when I watched him later on in this year. But still, uh, yeah, I mean he's he's definitely going to be. I I would say he's going in the draft. Yeah, barring a serious injury, he's gone. I mean, even like if he missed half the season with an ankle or something, I bet he'd still go. Uh, all right. Other things of the opening, uh, Bob, we'll start with you. Anything that really stood out to you down at the regional this weekend? Oh, just seeing EJ constantly try and recruit Stacy Wilkins, four-star offensive tackle from Arkansas, whose decision timetable seems to be changing uh with every single day we thought maybe be after the Bama visit then it switched and now he's not sure when he wants to do it or when he wants to make his OU visit but EJ and Stacy paired up together constantly and EJ constantly talking about Stacy having that OU DNA just like him he would have just been a decommitment that I'm sure if he would have committed to OU or Bama doesn't sound like he's ready to pull the trigger no, you know, I, I and it's interesting because like the night before the Nike, he was not going to do any interviews. And then he ended up doing kind of a big, uh, you know, like a group uh, interview that Bob was in on. I mean, it, it was just it was he's been an interesting guy to follow over the last month. It seems like a lot of things are kind of moving around for him all of a sudden. It seemed very, I don't know, like slow or however you want to term it. Now it's all gotten a little chaotic. So I, I don't know quite how to. To, to deal with that. What I thought was interesting is you had Eric Young, uh, a top 25 guy in the country uh, in the Rivals 100, and you had Jeff Carter, a former OU commitment that is a, a very talented corner in his own right. You know, in my opinion, is a Rivals 250 kind of guy. And really, you know, you can tell that right now Oklahoma is kind of at arm's length with both guys, which kind of feeds in to what we were talking about earlier with their confidence in some of their other corners from that red-white visit weekend with Chris Steele and Jaden Davis and, you know, those guys. So, to me, it's one thing to be like, okay, you know, Oklahoma had a great visit and they feel good, but to kind of be slowing things down with some really elite talents, it tells you that there's a lot of reason, you know, not just amongst guys like Bob and myself, but people that make these decisions feel pretty good where Oklahoma is. So, like I said, I think Oklahoma fans continue to have a lot of reason to feel good at corner. Uh, okay, so we mentioned this at the top. You went and saw Corey Robertson today. Uh, you watched the Manville High School practice. He just got the Alabama offer. You had a chance to talk to him after practice. What was that uh, discussion like with him? Oh, you know, I know a lot of people immediately become concerned with Alabama offers, and I, and I get it. I mean, obviously, that's that's a big thing. And you could tell it meant a lot to him, uh, just almost as a, you know, this I, I'm doing the right things, I'm working hard, you know, and Alabama was impressed. But at the same time, the thing to remember with Alabama is their offers mean almost nothing until a kid comes to their camp and works out. Like, that. that's how Alabama sees it. They want to work you out. They want to run you through their drills. They want to see what you do. And so they've already talked to him about coming out there this summer. He he said his dad was kind of into the idea. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, I don't know if that'll happen or if it won't, but it's definitely a possibility. That being said, he's still calling Calvin. What's funny is Calvin Thibodeau was there the same day Alabama was. 
And I was talking to him, and he goes, you know, I just wanted to work hard for my coach. You know, he kept calling Calvin his coach and all these kind of things. So, I mean, there's a lot of reason to think that Oklahoma's right where they need to be because lots of kids say lots of things, but they don't sound right when they say it. You know, oh, I, you know I'm sure Oklahoma, you know, that they, they're the right place for me instead of like, you know, that's, you know, it. it's just little ways you word things. You guys have all done enough interviews. You can kind of tell when a kid's maybe starting to lean away. I didn't get that from Corey Roberson at all. He's actually even con- contemplating graduating early. So there is just a lot uh, of momentum with Oklahoma. And I will say, watching him up close, continue to really like him. It was my second time to see him uh, in person following the uh, the Adidas camp in Houston last month. So, uh, again, just a big framed guy. I mean, he's every bit of 6'4", probably 275, and really fits what Oklahoma wants to do, which is, Really, really hard to find that defensive end spot. So, like I said, a lot to like there. I think Oklahoma is still in good shape. Obviously, if he takes an Alabama visit, things get interesting down the road. But right now, I think you can feel pretty good. Uh, Eddie, do we want to take this moment to, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, have a little report on uh, what's going on with OU baseball? Nothing good. <laughs> And that's it. That is your OU baseball report. They got their ass kicked over the weekend. It's that is been, that is maybe the worst rendition really of take bad. me out to the ball game that that's I've ever really heard too. Like a children's CD. It's like a. Uh, it's like a church league. Take me out to the yeah. Ball it's game. like a uh, child's choir out of Happy Valley or something. I was trying to find one and I didn't have a chance to like. Yeah, that's an ad. Uh, I didn't have a chance to audition one, so I just I picked the first one that started. Let me let me see if this one's better for you. I think this might be a little 1920s ish. Take me out to the ball game, sung by Edward Meeker, Edison Record. Is that better for you? <laughs> it might be worse, honestly. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. No. Oh wow! It's like 1920s reporter guy that introduced him. The, yeah. bees, the ticket, the bees knees. That was not good. What's the word? Well, champ, they, champ, they, champ. They, yeah, they haven't been playing well. Obviously, They've lost three straight series, but they should. They're uh, not scoring any runs either. They're not pitching. They're not scoring runs. Yeah, it's a bad equation to win baseball games. They uh, they should <laughs> win over the uh, the weekend. They should win a couple. They should sweep. I would think Kansas State's one of the worst teams in the country and then they'll uh, go to central florida next weekend and uh, come back and wrap it up with kansas uh in lawrence but if you can win five of six get to what would that be 15 and nine in conference they'll finish in the top four and i mean they're going to get in the ncaa tournament yeah so um, well, i don't think that's any any they were any danger but yeah it just looks bad when you lose two out of three to texas and then you get swept by osu yeah this well the sweep wouldn't have looked as bad if you probably could have won those Friday games against Texas and Texas Tech because uh, you would have ended up winning both of those series. But um, it it hasn't been good. I mean, they just haven't played well. Do you think that's had any effect blowing the leads in the ninth inning and then the ninth and the tenth inning against Tech on those Friday night games? No, I mean, not really. I, they've probably mismanaged the bullpen a little bit in the back end. Uh, but, you know, Connor Barry's injured. Uh, I don't see him coming back in any time in the near future. So uh, they just haven't gotten anything out of Devin Perez on Saturday, which will be interesting going into this weekend if they end up taking him out of the rotation and going with Kyle Tyler, who 
I don't necessarily say that he would. He's been great on Tuesdays during the midweek, but uh, he's been better than anything that Devin Perez has given him on Saturday. So uh, I, I can probably get over Jake Irvin getting beat up last Friday in Stillwater. Uh, that hasn't happened too much. Uh, I mean, he gave up three home runs in the first two innings, and going into Friday night, he'd given up four in like sixty-two and a third. So. Uh, it was a bad bad outing, but he'll move past it. He's been pretty good on Fridays, uh, even going back into versus Texas and Texas Tech and Lubbock. So they need to uh, certainly win three games this weekend, though. I losing a game to Kansas State would be losing a game to Kansas State would be like the OU football team going out and getting beat by I don't know Northwest Classen. Whoa, high school Can- Kansas State's that that terrible. Uh, yeah, they're really, really bad. Let me see if this makes you feel any better. It's probably another stupid ad. Yep. Ads are terrible for podcasts. YouTube. Just so you know. But, yeah, so they, uh, Still Walker's kind of been interesting, though. He's been kind of looked over as far as... Turn that drunk off. (laughs) What? Harry Carey can't even make you and put you in a good mood? No, you Darvish is getting lit up today. Well, that's because you signed you Darvish. He's a dick baller. They need to send him back to Japan. Is he Japanese? Okay, Trump Trump (laughs) Jr. I thought he was like Korean or something. No, he's Japanese. Is he? Okay. He he, He played for the Nippon Ham Fighters. Well, yeah, he did. Is that who? But, uh, is that who Shohei Itani played for too? Was he with the Ham Fighters? I think, frankly, everyone should have to play for the Ham Fighters. That's one of those Japanese names that they made up, and they're just like, "Oh, funny American name." <laughs> yes, he was a Ham Fighter. Okay, that's, that's what he thought. made his professional debut with, and now he's a dick baller. Not Shohei Otani. What do you got against Otani? Oh, you're talking about Otani? They both played for the Nippon Ham ham Fighters. They both have a little dick baller in them. Exactly what is the explanation (laughs) of that? (laughs) Somebody that just gives up home runs constantly. They're just dicking around out there on the mound? Just dick ballers. To be fair, Eddie, I feel like we had this conversation when you signed him and we're over the moon about it. He is good to go nuclear at least once every two or three weeks. Well, he's been going nuclear every time he steps onto the mound. No, and then he'll get hurt. His best option might be getting hurt right now. <laughs> Maybe somebody push him in front of the L leaving the stadium today. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Uh, Baker Mayfield has been drafted. We played that uh, as uh, we were coming into the show today. Just to remind you, here's what it sounded like when Baker was drafted. With the first pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. That was Baker on Instagram. I actually, uh, I did did think that that was kind of cool that he did it on Instagram like that and that you could watch it through his Instagram page while the draft was going on. Since he wasn't at the draft, why not? I didn't have a... I'm not, like, anti-big media or anything, but I just thought that was cool. 
Well, that, that environment, you actually have your family and friends around you. Yeah. Instead of being in a green room and just have a couple people around. So it definitely made the scene feel a lot more special. You had Lincoln and Bob and Kale were there. I it's got to be the only number one to not go to the draft since it started. They started inviting players, right? I, I would think so. I it was, the NFL could not have been happy about it. Was, and it kind of makes me laugh. Reggie Bush and Mario Williams, were they at the draft that year? I, no, I, I would think so. I'm probably being too old right now. But no, I, I, it, I didn't even know that Bob and Lincoln were there until he like went over to the side and you saw that they were there. I, I, I was doing other stuff, so I wasn't keeping up on social media. I didn't see that Bob and Lincoln were tweeting stuff out or Lincoln was tweeting stuff out. So, but it is amazing to think that Baker Mayfield went number one in the draft. Yeah, it's incredible. It's truly incredible. From, I mean, the entire story going into it, it's just, I didn't think it was a reality until Wednesday night. When we were in Lubbock and that crowd was chanting, F you, Baker. The last thing on my mind was, yeah, this kid's this kid's gonna be the first going number one. And you know what's funny is like that. What's funny is like that's what Texas Tech fans held over Baker's head is that Pat Mahomes was the what number ten pick in the draft. Yeah. Like he went number one. Like, okay, we. I mean, for a Tech fan to sit around and say, well, Baker's, you know, we had the best quarterback anyway. He was never gonna play. Patrick Mahomes was top ten pick. Uh, Baker was the number one pick. He was an even better pro prospect than Patrick Mahomes. So you don't even have that. Like, just one last little dagger for Baker Mayfield to twist in the back of Texas Tech fans. Incredible scene, really. I I tried to avoid the draft coverage because you hear so many stupid things. But you just figure five, ten years ago, no one would have passed on Sam Darnold or Josh Allen, because that's who you're supposed Sam to take. Sam Darnold is horseshit. Th- that's who you're supposed to take. They look like NFL I watched a lot of Sam Darnold. He's horseshit. <laughs> but that's who you're supposed to take. So for Cleveland to actually... I would take Josh Rosen way before Sam use Darnold. Use their own eyes and let Baker you know, win them over during the interview process and all that good stuff. It sounded like, com- like common sense was finally winning. I loved how on the NFL draft coverage when J- Josh Rosen was taken, because you know what they would do is they would say they would have like three little things on the graphic that they would show on the NFL network. One would be like honors, you know, like first team AP All-American. There'd be a second little one. And then the third one would usually be what player they, you know, they most uh, are like in the NFL. And Josh Rosen's was, you know, Pac-12, blah, blah, blah. The player, Sam Bradford. (laughs) Oh, it did it really? Yeah, it said Sam Bradford. (laughs) So it's like, and the joke was, the Cardinals just drafted Sam Bradford when they already had Sam Bradford because the comparisons, they're, they're, they're probably accurate. I mean, Sam's not a <laughs> like Josh Rosen is, but <laughs> Sam's a better athlete. Eddie just found another word that we have to believe on the podcast. Uh, is that our first use of this word on the podcast? That feels like that might have been a, a, a little cherry popping. Josh Rosen is, though. He's, a, he's an outright loser. I don't know. I just think he's a smart kid. I I feel like he's one. Like I, I feel like you feel about him like a lot of the country feels about Baker. Yeah, I can see that. 
I mean, he, he, I mean, don't get me wrong. He's smug, but so is Baker. I would say yeah. this. Here's, here would be my uh, jerk criticism of Josh Rosen is that I think he might be a fake football player. Like he's, he's, he's playing a role that he thinks he's supposed to play, but he's not really a football player. He's pretending to be a football player. The thing that bothered me the most about him, like, I don't, I mean, I, I kind of agree with you, Kerry. I think he's just a sharp kid and he says what's on his mind. I don't have a big problem with that. The thing that bothered me was when he was trying to present himself as some big underdog. The kid is incredibly wealthy, went to maybe the best football program in the country, was probably a top five player in the entire country, could have gone anywhere he wanted to, and he chose to go to UCLA. Tells you everything you need to know. And he's an underdog? Like, it's he's an underdog in the same way Baker Mayfield out of high school was the favorite. If you sign on to go play football at UCLA, it tells me everything you need to know. But if you're from L.A., that's not a big deal. It's Yeah, it's a little different. If you're from Don't Texas care about or winning. Louisiana. Ronald Jones was drafted pretty high. He went to USC, but, I mean, is the same hold true for USC? No, USC is a great program. Okay. So it's not just about going out where the beaches are. No. No. Eddie, do you feel like you think UCLA is extra soft because they wear powder blue? No, I like, think... Do you think that, that makes you feel a little bit stronger? I mean, don't get me wrong. I think there's validity in what you say because UCLA is always a weird choice to me. It's just a loser. I'm definitely more USC than UCLA. Is this because you had to go to War Boko's announcement? No, I I thought people that go to UCLA are... We're soft before, before then. Yeah. <laughs> Has he played at all? Not anything meaningful to my knowledge. No, I mean I but I, I I'm with you. I don't think that you're being un you know, I don't think that that's just a fire take that can't be We'll just need to delete all this though when UCLA beats OU next year. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Kelly is there now. That was another thing on that uh, behind Baker. I haven't really talked about that. I watched the whole series, Josh. I don't know if you watched any of that or not, but he actually went to UCLA's facilities to do the Sports Illustrated photo shoot, and he went and met with Chip Kelly after it was over. He didn't. He didn't seem like he was willing to talk too much to him about football stuff. Chip Kelly take off his white hood after before he met him. Isn't Chip Kelly a known white supremacist? Not that I know of. A known? I thought that was the word coming out of Phillies, that he hated his black players. No, no, he, he just loved Jordy Nelson. That's or Not Jordy Nelson, the uh, other the, white guy. The, the racist guy. Oh, yeah. Riley, Cooper. Florida, Riley, Riley yeah, Cooper. Riley Cooper, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe, that's, maybe that equates to the same thing, but I'm not sure. I mean, look, if anybody's a racist head coach, it's got to be Belichick. Yeah, he did he did draft uh drafting Braxton Berrios is not uh does not help the cause. Look, Chip Kelly would he would if a murderer could play football, he would find a way to get him on the football field. Kind of like Urban Meyer with the Heron Hernandez. Yeah. That was pre murder as far as we know though. Oh, there was definitely some murders going back <laughs> into high school that we don't know about. There's no doubt about that. You don't just partake in a crime like that and be kind of virgin. That's not your first crime. That wasn't his first homicide. Yep. Maybe it was the first one that he actually committed, but wasn't the first one that he had been around. 
if you rob a bank, you've stolen some candy bars from the convenience store at some point in your life. Got to start somewhere. Yep. Well, we don't Every know about career. the past either. I mean, you know, how how much easier was it to murder people before cell phones? Probably very easily. And DNA evidence. Well, you know how these black what are these black gloves back for, on that? <laughs> like <laughs> my OJ gloves. Like I love, I mean, like I said, I read a lot, and I like I'll read like historical books, and they'll talk about like the old West and like how they would or wouldn't catch a criminal, and basically. If the dude wasn't holding the gun standing over the dead body, they weren't catching that dude. And you're just like, how do they keep any sense of like law and order? I have no idea. That's why they say you always got to start by just killing a homeless person first to get it out, get get good practice. Practice makes perfect. That's been your method, Eddie? That's always what I believed would be the method yeah. to go down. I have a Cutting buddy teeth. that is literally obsessed with the homeless dirtiness of San Francisco right now. Apparently, I'm it sure is just out of control. Out yeah, there. I'm, I'm sure that it is. I mean, I saw how bad it was in L.A. The worst I've LA's been is just, Seattle. Uh, there's a, Seattle has a serious homeless problem. New Orleans is terrible. Yeah. Baltimore's not a whole lot better. Which has never made any sense to me. If you were going to be homeless, why wouldn't you go to the West Coast or somewhere? Why do you think there's Florida man exists? Because everyone that's crazy perfect. goes toward water. I've said that forever. And the weather's perfect. Yeah. Not perfect, but People better. who are insane migrate towards water. Florida and California. Joshua Christian coming to you live from the Gulf of Mexico. Except for, you know, like the Gulf states. I mean, nobody wants to get, be homeless in Louisiana or Alabama. It just happens. Or in Houston where the water is extremely dirty brown. Is there a lot of homeless in Houston? Um, I wouldn't for a city of this size. I wouldn't say so. I don't. I don't think it's you know. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. They're they're definitely there. But like, you don't come around a corner and they're like, oh man, there's like seven guys. On there's the not like a homeless city or anything. Yeah, like under yeah. overpasses and stuff. Mm-mm. Oh no, we got breaking news out of the Big Twelve. Oh, no. What do we have? Walt Anderson has tendered his resignation no! as Big 12 coordinator of officials to focus on being a full-time NFL official. Effective immediately? I guess so. Who's going to tell us about the stupid rules that they implement every year now at Big 12 Media Days? Hopefully someone more boring than Walt Anderson, because <laughs> that's the biggest waste of 45 minutes that you can possibly have. He wasn't that boring, though. He, was, he wasn't bad. He, you know, he had that southern accent. And it was basically 45 minutes of him telling you why they screwed up last year. You remember when that guy from inside Texas got up and tried to assault him, him, uh, accused him of the egregious things? It was that OSU Texas game when uh, the punt got blocked at the end of the game. That was and they they, they threw the flag on Charlie Strong. That was a great moment. That was one of the great Walt Anderson was involved in one of the greatest moments. And Big 12 Media Day's history. We could have had one coming up, but the C.D. Lamb targeting against Tulane. Someone wanted to get on him about that one. Maybe they'll just bring in, like, the most abrasive person possible. And he'll, like, want to fight with media members. Hopefully it's the uh, big-armed ref. Uh, Duffy? Dunphy? What's his name? (laughs) Oh, you're talking about... He retired. Did he? Yeah, he just retired. Or no 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 no! You're talking about the the older guy. You're not talking about Hercules. Mike Defee. Mike Defee. Mike Defee. Yeah. There you go. He's still around. He's here. from Texas. He is. Is he? 
So I, I could, you know, maybe Eddie's onto something there. Basically, the refs. Like, I wish somebody would say something. NFL refs must have got a pay raise, and he was like, I don't need this extra job anymore. I'm trying to see if I can find this. I know we play it all the time on the radio. Or they could hire the guy from uh, the SEC, giving him the business guy. I don't know his name. <laughs> He's pretty funny, though. Here we go. I just found it. Angry Texas reporter. That was the first time that Walt Anderson's life was threatened. Uh, okay, here it was. And play. Come on. Justin Wells with Inside Texas. Uh, my question Justin is Wells, on the game September 26th between Oklahoma State and Texas. Uh, that was in Austin. Uh, in that game, Texas had a season high 16 penalties for 128 yards, some of which were in very critical situations. Uh, after looking real deep and researching these plays, uh, six were deemed legit, six were deemed borderline, four were deemed egregious, and the last one was an unsportsmanlike conduct on Coach Charlie Strong in which the referee instigated contact. My question is, what policies and procedures do you put in place to be sure that there's accountability for when you see things on the uh, deplorable and atrocious level to where it was to the point where it, it, it changed the dynamic of that game? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I guess some of that, uh, some of those adjectives must be yours because I don't, I don't remember that we had it, getting did, body bagged by Walt Anderson has to be a low point on any any of those. But deplorable and, and atrocious. Egregious. I like. I mean, I like. He should have asked him how Wells, much money, Justin. How much money did you lose on that game, Justin Wells? I love that. Like he portrayed it as if he had. He was like in the uh, the the NFL replay center like in New Jersey or wherever they have theirs and watching it on like 20 different screens with like five people breaking it down. Okay. This is deplorable. This is egregious. This is fair. Justin. Well, I wonder if Justin Wells was ever credentialed by the big 12 again. I mean, they basically credential anybody day, yeah, they that pretty much credential walk anybody. in there. Although we probably don't want to broadcast that. When he, when he went into the word game, was anyone reminded of Mike Tyson's My Defense is Impregnable? Like, it felt like he was throwing out any adjective he could think of into that, that sentence. I thought it threw Bolivia in there somewhere. It would only oh, knock nice. him into Bolivia. It would only like be that. better if he would have wrote down his question and was reading it off of a... Oh, I'm sure he was. <laughs> he just wasn't nervous. He was pissed. Like, a lot of times when guys write that stuff down... They're just horribly nervous. Yeah. And they don't, it, they can't pull it off very well. But he was clearly pissed. Still mad. That's, yeah, that's what, well, Anderson should have said. Just still mad. Uh, all right. I want to I talk about uh, a little bit about this Behind Baker documentary that they did. I don't Who always watched that? Eddie, you said you couldn't watch it. I got through like the first episode and a half, and I was just like, eh. Didn't this, interest This you. is a lot. What was it that you just didn't like? I didn't. It's not that I didn't like it. I was just, I just kind of knew exactly how it was going to go. And it went about it. Not exactly how it was going to go. I, I think it's interesting because, I mean, you remember this, Eddie, like we were out in LA Mm -hmm. and a few days later, 
you kind of get word like Baker's still in L.A. Like, what's he doing out in L.A.? Like, just hanging out. And he goes to that Clippers game. Yeah. With the girl. Right. Emily, which is, she's all over this document. She was at his draft party. She was at his draft day press conference. Or his, 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 his Cleveland press conference. You know what? I think that might be one of the reasons why I couldn't watch it. So, I'm not here to rip on the girl. I don't care what you guys say or do. I'm not going to stop you. The one... I, uh, go ahead, and I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll get back into this. So, the whole thing, like, he's out in L.A., and even people, like, that I knew... Because I was out on the bachelor party out in L.A., and, and everybody was talking about Baker and being in L.A. and this girl and what, why he signed with a marketing agency before he signed with an agent. Because like, everybody's like, you get an agent, and then they get you hooked up with your marketing deal. Right. And this guy was like a, the guy that was part of it. It was like a former uh, equipment manager or something at OU. And so everybody was like, Baker, what are you doing? Like, you're screwing this thing. That's what. That's kind of what the feeling was at the time, because nobody really knew what was going on. You watch the documentary, though, and it you don't come away as alarmed as you once were. But there was this literal paranoia going on with that whole L.A. scene and Baker and thinking that he was partying and going to screw it all up and that all the, uh, everything that he'd done and built was just going to come crashing down. And as it turns out, every decision that he made from the marketing thing, which I'm sure was 100% behind the documentary portion of all this. Oh, yeah. And then everything that they released, the way that they released the episodes leading up to the draft, to the fact that he went number one, <laughs> I, I don't want to say it's unprecedented, but I can't remember... A time that like so many decisions were made and it they turned about to be great decisions. Yeah. For him and the way everything turned out. Well, and what's funny is the the agents that he hired, they're very low key guys. They don't have a lot of ho high profile cases. He told the story That had to be a selling point too, is you're our guy. Well the thing is like you look after watching the documentary, and we all know Baker kind of, you know, pretty well, just his personality. And it's like, the thing that's really confusing to me about the documentary is, okay, the kid that became like his marketing rep did it behind, I think Price Waterhouse is the name of the... I think that's right. It's Waterhouse. I don't know if Price, I'm, I don't know where I'm getting that from. I think it is just Waterhouse. <laughs> what is Price Waterhouse? Know, Pri is that, a, that like a, is that a financial it, advisor? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Waterhouse or it whatever. It is something like that, though. So he like creates his company with this, but he's got the guidance of the, the bigger company, and you're like, okay, Baker's surrounding himself with kind of like underdogs in their own right because he's an underdog. And it's like he's, he's doing it his own way, and that's kind of how I felt after watching the documentary. But the one thing that Baker never let go of, like to, to kind of, uh, I don't know, legitimize himself was the whole Adidas-Nike thing. Like, he was wearing Adidas at the Combine. Uh, and then there was the whole thing like Nike called because they were mad because they thought he was going to become a Nike guy. But like he celebrated so much when he finally got his deal with Nike. I was like, that they're not underdog. Like 
you're going to be underdog, like go with Under Armour or something. I mean, be Steph Curry or whatever. But like, and here's a little taste kind of like what that was like, the whole Nike thing. I'd say that being a Nike athlete and being sponsored by them um, was an absolute dream come true to be able to, to sign the... I'm going to play that again. Hold on. Here you go. I'd say that being a Nike athlete and being sponsored by them um, was an absolute dream come true to be able to, to sign the dotted line on that one. Uh, and to be in the Nike family, it, it means a lot to me. Which, I don't know, that was the one thing that, like, didn't really stack up with everything else that was kind of, I thought was cool about that documentary. Which I, and maybe he, maybe he wanted to be Nike because he knows that helps OU to some extent. I mean, that's... It's a no-brainer, though, if you have both of those companies coming after you, right? I would think so. If you're an athlete, yeah. Unless I, I just, you're, you I, know, unless, unless they're, paid, unless you're, yeah, you're gonna be the, for you the face of the program, like Adidas face was of the, doing with the basketball players. Yeah, it's true. I mean, yeah, I mean, otherwise Adidas wouldn't have been paying people like they were. I was. We're not gonna get. I was just shocked how. <laughs> I was just. I'll move on from that. There you go. I was just shocked how it just. It turned out at, that everything worked out for him. Yeah, you take the big gamble like that, and you you expect maybe he'll be top ten, top seven, maybe top five to be the number one pick, and for that, for every move to have worked out, it's pretty strange. But maybe now Paul George will recognize him. Yeah, that was that was probably one of his down times. They didn't show that part of the documentary. <laughs> but they did. I thought it was kind of funny. He went into his locker room after uh, Pro Day and after... This was before he got drafted and everything. Or no, this was maybe right after he got... Or I don't know when it was. Uh, but it was pretty funny. He went to his old locker, and he's like, yeah, they already took everything out. Uh, and he was kind of like, he, I think he was joking, but I also think he was kind of pissed. My corner spot right here, I got to pick it out. I had all my writing on the board, my motivation. You know, when they say it's over, it's over. She kicked me out, took me off the fingerprint scanner in the locker room, can't get in. <sighs> Guess if I would've won the Rose Bowl, they'd let me back in, but hey. <laughs> you lose, you lose, you lose. <laughs> Poor Baker. Well, no other Heisman Trophy winners won the national championship game, so. Of course, the the other two played in it, at least. Of course, they didn't have the college football playoff then, so. So anyway, but, you know, outside of the draft, outside of Baker, I was kind of glad that Orlando Brown went where he went. It turned out, I mean, another case of it just turned out into a very good story. Yeah. From yeah, everything that like Mark Andrews too. And they worked out together. I think they got pretty tight over the last couple months if they weren't already extremely close. I was kind of disappointed that uh, Mark Andrews didn't go to the Cowboys. Well, that would have, they would have had to. I guess I'm just stupid, but I guess I wasn't paying attention that there were that many tight ends ahead of Mark Andrews in the draft. Yeah, there were at least three, like three or four. And it was like, you know, weird Dude, guys. Even more interesting that the Ravens took the kid out of South Carolina in, in the first in round. The first round, right. Of tight ends? Yeah. Well, it was Ozzie Newsom's last draft. 
okay, maybe this is sounds really stupid. Here we go. But here we go. Jesus Christ. I, we get it that it was Ozzy Newsom's last draft. That was like the entire <laughs> storyline over the weekend. That's a draft. Who cares? storylines. They can't a- keep talking about Baker Mayfield getting arrested. Yeah, that's true, unless you were watching ESPN, which <laughs> nobody probably watched ESPN over the weekend. I'm with Eddie. I've never heard of a general manager like retiring in advance. That was, was The whole thing was weird. It was like my, the Mike Francesa year of saying goodbye, and then he comes back four months later. Yeah, he's back, by the way. I, I listened yesterday. It was pretty funny. This goes to show you, if you're in New York, you panic about your ratings. He is he is a piece of work. He didn't even say like anything about leaving either. Really? He just came back and was like, <laughs> I'm not going to mention it. My name's on the, on the room that I'm broadcasting from, but I'm not mentioning it. I've never gotten that whole. I've never gotten him or Mad Dog. Mad Dog's awful. It's. I've not heard of. I've not listened to enough of Mike to have a strong opinion. But Mad Dog's awful. Mike Francesa is the equivalent of just think of somebody like just with the hugest ego, and then from the from New York City. It's like the perfect depiction of a New, New York, York City fan. Yes, absolutely. Eddie. Eddie, is that worse than like huge ego from I don't know another eastern city? I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> I only talk about relevant people. Uh, Josh, why do you do this? <laughs> you do it most of the time. I every once in a while I do have to, you know, just just give him a little chance. But I appreciate don't Eddie going fluffer. going the high road. Uh, I can't even. You, I knew where I was going, and I can't. I don't even know now. Thank you. Usually out of a panic, I can just move us on. Um, but no. I, if somebody needs to be put in their place, we can. I mean, no. <laughs> Let's leave that alone. Hey, you know, I, I'll, I'll take us somewhere else and, you know, congratulate to Eddie, you know, running on his own for a couple on his own show this week. You know, I went on with him. He didn't didn't seem to burn the place down while I was there. It all seemed pretty good. Not yet. Not yet. Now, he and now, Bob run that franchise. I, th- I think say I thought Eddie, when you told me that you wanted me to come on, and you were just doing two days. Did that just get extended to the whole week? No, 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 no. It was just the two days. It was on okay, Monday, okay, Tuesday. okay. But you know, he Eddie, just, Josh just brought that up because I'd never ask him to come on the radio. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's it's it is interesting. I've been on with Al far more than I've been on with you, but you know what? That that's okay. We don't I mean, do we've... recruiting in the mornings. We do so fart jokes and yeah, yeah. No, talk I'm, about I'm not lasagna and you know. Well, you you guys are like a like a well a regulated version of this show. We're just going to talk about whatever we want to talk about generally. So pretty much, yeah, it yeah. works with less, you know and f-bombs so gotta bleep you now too (laughs) (laughs) and i guess we should say not that there's anything wrong with that stop it (laughs) i know where you're going i something tells me something tells me though that the unofficial 40 isn't listened to a whole lot at the habana inn in oklahoma city i don't even know what that means you're not familiar with Havana? You're not, you're not familiar with that? No. Okay. 
well, you know, there, there's, um, you know, the kind of unofficial straight night you could go check out, Carrie. You know, it's always interesting. So it's a gay place. It, it is. Extreme. Very, very much so. Where is that at? Not that I'm going. <laughs> uh-huh. Off of like, what is that? 44? It's off yeah, like 44 in Penn. Right. Yeah. It's I know. I've, I've only heard stories about a place called Angles. I've never heard, never about heard of that. Inn. I've heard of Angles. I've never. I, I. I. I can own that. I have been to the Habana before. So, um, but I have never been to Angles. I don't even know where that one is. I've heard of either. it, but I, I couldn't speak beyond that. All right. Um, really, is there any other official business we need to get I, in here? Outside of. I, I don't even consider Dimitri Flowers a undrafted free agent. Is that weird? I just wish he would have gone to somebody somewhere better than the Jets. Like I think that Baker going one, as ironic and I guess strange as it sounds, is better than going to the Jets. I think the Jets are a a hopeless, hopeless franchise. I just think that Like at some point I just think that the Browns have to win games. They're not gonna go one and thirty two the next two years again. I would hope. I don't understand why the Browns drafted the the is it the Caldwell guy out of Florida? I think they just feel like they're obviously After taking what a they chance. Went through with idiot from Baylor, yeah, Josh Gordon, yeah, to now draft a guy that's been suspended for a season that's failed that failed a drug test at the combine for God's <laughs> sake. Not the like. What are you doing? Not the best decision making process. I mean, I know it's a fourth round pick, and the guy was probably a second round talent. But my Antonio God. Callaway, Antonio Callaway. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Sorry, just I, I was like, I know that name's not right. I it's, couldn't, but I couldn't place it for a second. Kind of like that situation that you always see with coaches. That I, and I think John Dorsey has a little bit of it in him. He just feels like they can change him, or maybe the coaches feel like they can change him. I. Just, it's just it's. I mean, it is what it is. It is uh, NFL personnel people really have no moral compass. If you can play football, they they want you. Oh, I, look at the uh, NFL, just football people. Yeah, I mean, it, unless it's going to hurt ticket sales, yeah, they'll do whatever they can. I mean, I think Jerry kind of learned that lesson. Like, yeah, we can do it too much and hurt ticket sales. Yep. Well, I mean, like, you can think of there's two really shining examples. Ray Rice, when yep. they literally walked away from it, and the Cowboys with the guy you're talking about, uh, Hardy? Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy, yeah. 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 Well, the, so, look, the most recent example is Reuben Foster. Beat the shit out of his girlfriend, and the 49ers like, yeah, well, didn't we're going to help work through this. Didn't she just admit to lying about that? Well, I mean, it, it, that's the kind of the time old thing is I have no doubt that something happened. Didn't they just had? Didn't they just release what's his name from Missouri, the defensive end? Yeah, Alden Smith. Well, he got arrested for like the seventeenth time since. <laughs> but he was still on their roster, right? Right. <laughs> when he got arrested for the seventeenth time, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we're releasing him." Alden Smith might have more arrests than tackles. Do you feel like John Lynch maybe just forgot? You're like, oh god, he's still in our books. He okay, might yeah, have, let's yeah. actually get this done. <laughs> I doubt he's been to that facility in three years. <laughs> yeah. It's just, Guys, he's going to be over there with the, the homeless, dirty people in San Francisco now. Alden Smith, yeah, very good chance. 
Yeah, he he's definitely gonna end up dirty with like a beard and crumbs in it. Like that, stealing that's uh, stealing mouthwash from people to get Didn't drunk. Did he get off arrested of. in an airport one time? Uh, I don't know. I'm that sure. It was just one time. I'm sure he has. I think he's been arrested in most public venues. Alden Smith is the type of guy that your parents probably say, "Yeah, don't need to be hanging out with him." Let me ask you: uh, free agent most likely to make it for OU? Oh, you beat me to it. I like that one. I think Flowers is too easy. I think we have to take Flowers out of the equation. Yeah. I bet he makes the roster or a roster. I don't know if it'll be the Jets, but he'll land somewhere. I would say if if we're not going to go with Flowers, and that's kind of off the board, I would. I hate to say it, but, I mean, Devonta Lampkin, if he can just put it together at some point in his life, could be a good football player. I don't think that... I just don't... I mean, you see these guys that are, like, you know, skating past, and, you know, it's like, oh, well, if he could just focus on football, he'll be okay. That never, never works, works out. Yeah. It never works. If you don't have the discipline to to make it through college... The way that you are, the the way they hold your hand, you have real issues. Are we counting practice squad? Because I would bet money Lambkin makes a practice squad. Oh, I don't even say whether they're gonna. I'm just saying who who is likely to mm-hmm. stick or have have the biggest impact. Or really, if you're a free agent, what you're really betting on is who's gonna make the active roster. Probably more than anything. Honestly, uh, <laughs> might be Wesley Horky. Yeah. Yeah. Did he sign anywhere? Yeah, he signed with the Eagles. Did he? Okay. Uh, what about Eric Gwinn? That, the Browns? How with interesting the Browns. is that that they signed him? Well, they, I mean, Gabe Eichard was on their their squad last year. I mean, I kind of got firsthand reports on what, you know, how things were going there, and they're not great at the center position. Well, I just mean, obviously, also because of his connection to Baker. Yeah. Uh, I wonder they if they feel be. like that almost makes it easier for him to transition. I mean, it might you think take... they signed him so there's no fumbles of a snap during um, the mini camp. <laughs> like we we can't have that out. They just want to build the yeah. the the hype. We're giving our undrafted free agent every start in the preseason. So, uh, uh, guys, what about Bedette with the Vikings? Yeah, just that's a good speed one. Speed alone, that's I interesting. Yeah, you know, with that four two seven speed mm-hmm. and fact that he graduate transfer and shows he's got some intelligence to him again he he drops some easy ones and then makes the really difficult catches so i don't know maybe more special teams than anything else you just try to use the speed i mean we all watched a, exactly. a lot of i think Vikings. that's where he could make his mark it just is in special teams if, he, if he's willing to do the work we all watched a lot of vikings i mean Diggs is a really good player They've got a. You know, they, got, they got. I can't remember the other main guy they the, had to receive. Th- Thalen, Thelen, Thelen. Uh, yeah, Thelen's yeah, really good. Like so I mean, I I think there's a place for a burner like him on that roster. Mm-hmm. No, I mean there there are several guys. Speaking of a guy that could do a special team, Stephen Parker could make the Rams a special teams guy. I don't know that he will, but he could. I mean, he because he's got. I mean. Safeties, linebackers, you know, kind of smaller linebackers, those are always the kind of guys they end up putting on special teams. Yeah, I mean, there's some good candidates all around. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. What guy were you surprised most not drafted? Flowers. Flowers? Flowers? Gotta be, gotta be flowers. 
I've got a man crush on Flowers. I don't know if that's always been established, but he's. I just think I, with fullback, you just never know. Oh no, I know. And there's fewer I, and fewer of them in the league every year. To me, other than Baker, I think he was Oklahoma's most important player last year. Yeah. Not maybe not most important, but probably best. Like most proficient. You just didn't. You just never saw a fullback involved as in as many big plays as he was. Yep. Oh, I mean, I don't think people realize uh, even even like the Ohio State game, he had plenty of big plays where the ball was in his hands. But he also, you know, he became such a focus. Ohio State was collapsing on him, and that opened up the thing for Lee Morris. I mean, there, there's all kinds of ways that. Even when he wasn't touching the ball, he was making an impact. Well, remember the in Bedlam, Baker started off so shaky. It was his mm-hmm. big play on his cousin that really opened up the floodgates for OU offensively in that game. And TCU then admits to trying to shut down Flowers, yeah. which leads to Rodney Anderson having yeah. four touchdowns in the first half. I wonder what George's excuse was. For what? Letting him... For Anderson going absolutely bananas. Oh, I see. Well, probably, probably. OU had a pretty decent offensive line, and they just. Yeah. Oh no! You probably have to ask that douchebag Jason McIntyre. <laughs> Random. If there's somebody that needs to get hit by a train, that's probably it. The writer? Yeah. Is he still He's with a, the big lead. Lead. He is yes. an idiot. Did, yeah. Are you talking about that story he put out yesterday, Eddie? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what, I guess what? I saw that. It's it the the, the big lead has some moronic stories. I mean, as moronic as anyone out there. They are the kings of the clickbait. Which I get, I I guarantee they wear that with pride. Like, they think that's a great thing. Which is sad. There's people around here that also like Skip Bayless, so. So let's say, uh, one last thing on the draft. Uh, Looking forward to 2019. Rodney Anderson, the highest drafted Sooner next year? Maybe Bobby Evans? I don't know. Gosh, he's going to make up that much ground in one year, though. You've been around him more, obviously, more recently than I have. How big would you tell me Bobby Evans is, height and weight, if you had to ballpark it? 305, 6'5. If if he's 6'5, he's a first round pick. I mean, to me, there's not even a question. But if he if he can't play left tackle, are you really still a first round pick? What Orlando would have been if not for an awful combine. But he, at least he played left tackle in college. That's what I thought was interesting about the spring game, seeing Bobby play right tackle the entire time. Yep. Oh, I mean, you know, you talk to coaches. I I can remember, you know, Kerry, and you remember it too, going back with Kevin Wilson would talk when everybody thought, Oh, well let's move Jamal Brown over to left tackle. And they were like, we're not going to do that. Or, you know, there's no reason to do that. And it's, it's harder than people think it is. Cause it's basically like learning to run backwards at the same speed. You've always run forward or, you know, riding with your left hand or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's the same thing, but it's completely opposite of how you've always done it. You know, the Sooners have bragged, right. Uh, rightfully so about having four plus players drafted for all these number of years. I don't know if they reach four based on 
who's out there now. They have some under. CD Lamb would have to leave early. He can't. He can't. He's a, just sophomore. He's true. He's, he's just three? sophomore. Oh, he yeah. was a true freshman. So, I mean, you're yeah. looking at like maybe a Caleb Kelly, uh, Neville Gallimore. There aren't that, or maybe Marquise Brown because of, of his speed. But if you base it just on people who are going to graduate, they don't reach that four number because the 2015 class has provided a bunch of duds. I wonder if Ben Powers will get drafted. I think he will. I bet you Samia gets drafted. Big body, bunch of tape. I mean, there's some stuff to like about Samia. He just he's inconsistent. It's going to be interesting. I I agree with Bob though. I think after next year they're going to hit four without much problem for right. the foreseeable future. But next year it'll be that'll be their trickiest year in my opinion to hit it. There's two guys, and I don't think anybody this year could do more for his draft stock than Caleb Kelly. Because I literally think right now, I don't know what his measurables are. I really don't. I don't know what his broad jump is. I don't know what his real 40 is. I don't know what his vertical would be. I mean, we assume it would be really good, but I just don't know. But he just doesn't have enough tape. I don't even know. I mean, I'm sure he'd be a late-round guy right now. But he legitimately should have first-round talent. Him and Gallimore, those those are the two. Got to anchor the defense, and they'll they'll skyrocket. And I know he's only going to be a sophomore, but this will be a big year to tell whether Kenneth Murray's a, a future NFL guy or not, because he looks like one, just physically. That play. I'm all aboard the Ryan Jones train at linebacker. So that's going to be interesting for everybody out there. They they. Talked him up a lot. But like even those guys, we're talking about 2017 class members. I, I don't know who's around that's going to make the cut for the 2019 draft. I think we're learning how big of a difference when you get to this level that having a top five recruiting class is versus a top 15. Because you could sit and say, well, I think for years, everybody's been like, oh, you just get in the top 25. It really doesn't matter. Oh, it matters. I mean, like... The class that's in there right now that they just got, and I mean, having CeeDee Lamb right off the bat. Oh, you mean, so you're telling me that working hard and having heart. <laughs> Diving like, in the rough. some people would like Diving you to believe. Bringing your lunch pail. Hard hustle, hardwood. No, I mean, you can't, you can't have 22 bakers. You're never going to have 22 bakers. It might be a good for a nice little run to the Independence Bowl. <laughs> yeah, you need some legitimate superstars. I mean, look at Clemson's defense the last three years. Look at Alabama. And again this year. Clemson's defense has three 2019 projected top ten picks on their defensive yeah. line. How many guys did Ohio State have drafted? Mm, I don't know. Let me was it like, Definitely. I mean, I know they got Hubbard and Hubbard, Tyquan Lewis, who's a Colt, so that's that's yeah. always good. Um, they're, they're, Denzel Ward. Yeah, Denzel Ward went with, with Cleveland. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, is that the most underachieving team of 2017? Seven Buckeyes go in the NFL draft. As many as North, North Carolina State. Two in the first round, Denzel Ward and Billy Price. Lewis, Baker, the linebacker, Sam Hubbard, a defensive lineman, Jalen Holmes, and Jamarco Jones. 
So, I mean, that's seven out of four. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, but Alabama had, what, 11? Yeah, but I mean, 12. the thing is, is it's consistent. So. Like, seven's a down year for Ohio State. Yeah. Yeah, that's was true. It last year, they had four first-rounders. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, the Big 12 has got to step it up. And, and they're going to have, they went from 14 to 20. So they they did better. Oklahoma State had just as many as OU, right? Four each? Four each, yeah. Eight for Penn State. Uh, Rudolph, Washington, Flowers, and who was the fourth? Aitman. Aitman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Who I think is going to be... That was a. I think he's like, going to have a great career in the NFL. Yeah, that was a hell of a. That, but I will say the Raiders. Uh, John Gruden's track record of receivers is awful, awful, awful. Which is surprising. You, you, I know you wouldn't expect it at all. Like you go back and look at his drafts in Tampa Bay. He drafted like five in the first two or three rounds. One of them had more than like thirty career catches. I mean, just terrible David, production. David Carr has plenty of receiver options. If they can't get that thing turned around. But yeah, I, they got Amari Cooper and Calvin Ridley now, right? Yeah. Alabama West. Alabama produced, well, Julio Jones. But they've mm-hmm. literally produced three receivers during this big Saban run. And they've but all been really two, good. In the two, NFL. I think say two are already some of the best in the league. Yeah, Julio probably being the guy, and Amari is on his way. So, all right, fellas, I think that's going to do it. Uh, I know people got to run, so appreciate uh, fun getting back together uh, for another edition, and uh, we'll continue this throughout the off season. So, we tried to get together last week. It was kind of a cluster. God, now I just you just reminded me I got to edit. I just remind myself I got to edit stuff now. Uh, so we'll be back again next week, but uh, lots more recruiting coming. We got the five star challenge coming up uh, this summer as well. Uh, gonna we should have some details on when and where and all that stuff here pretty soon. Just has not been released to us. And uh, some other big news around the site that we'll uh, look forward to telling you as soon as we can as well. Uh, but thanks to Josh McQuistion for uh, joining us, and uh, not to mention look out for his Corey Robertson interview coming on Soonerscoop.com. Uh, lots of opening coverage out there. Bob's been previewing uh, the spring, all the positions coming out. I've got some more uh, stuff I think people are going to like uh, coming out here pretty soon as well. Uh, so thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to Eddie Radosevich. Thanks to Bob Prisbillo. Uh I am Kerry Murdoch, and we'll see you guys next time right back here on the Unofficial 40 on Soonerscoop.com.